What's your name? <laughs> my name is Valerie Picard. Picard. My friends, they don't like it when I pronounce my name in English. Okay. And the reason that I'm interviewing you is that you, your company, yeah. which is? Uh, Monsieur Ed, which is a publishing house based in Montreal. We do uh, children's literature, mostly illustrated literature. Uh, we just won the best publisher of children's literature for North America 2022 at the uh, Bologna Book Fair. Right. So, That's why I'm here. Well, let's start off with... Well, I, I'm the publisher, so I really work with all the authors and all the illustrators to put the book together and just work on their idea or generate new ideas for new books. Okay. Uh, but I also write and illustrate myself, and but I don't have that much time to do it. So, but I've I've done a couple of books, and sometimes I collaborate with, um, like I've collaborated with Marianne Ferrer uh, previously, uh, where I wrote words for her stories. So it's not the same as me writing a story and then her illustrated illustrating it. It's the other way around. She presents the story to me, and then I say, okay, I'm going to put it into words for you, because she speaks many languages, so, uh, well, she's more of an illustrator than an author, but we're working on that right now. Okay. <laughs> and so, how did you get into this business to start with? I was working as a art director in advertising and design in uh, different agencies here in Montreal. And uh, I was, I've had been freelancing for a while also because uh, I was tired of, uh, you know, going to work, always the same place and everything. I needed this sort of freedom with my schedule. And one of my clients was a, a publisher of children's literature. And uh, I um, discovered what it was. And it, it just, like, I fell in love with it because it uh, mixed... I had a passion for writing and illustrating, and I didn't know which one to do uh, or which one to focus on. And when I discovered children's literature, I realized that uh, both can be done at the same time. And when I was a designer, also, I used to work a lot with type and words in my designs. So, like, just making a book is all of these things that I love put together. And so we had the opportunity to start the the publishing house because um, of a, I don't know if I should say this, but it's known, but it's, it's because the company that we were working with, oh, I don't know how to say this in English, actually. Uh, Bankruptcy? Yes. Yeah. They went bankrupt temporarily because they, it was bought, bought out, I get the bankruptcy. Okay. And so that put us in a situation where we had to think about what we wanted to do. Like it was me and another girl named Alice Lienau who we founded the, the publishing house together. And what year was that? It was 2014, but we didn't publish right away. Our first book came out in 2016. And so, yeah, we were faced with this what do we want to do? We love doing this. Are we going to go work for somebody else? I was at a point in my life where I was at, like, I think, close to being 40 or 
already 40 and I thought, hey, I don't want a boss anymore, you know? Yes. I want to create my own work. I don't want to be at the mercy of uh, what's available as a freelancer, what can I do and everything. So I wanted to build something. And that's why we got into it. Also, that, that's more of the technical like opportunity side of the thing. But as we were working on the books for this other editor, we we had some, I'll say, difference of uh, opinion or a different vision of what uh, literature for kids should be or what we wanted it to be. And that's also the reason why we founded Musiad, because we thought, you know, let's do this our way. Let's not be afraid to show children uh, different kind of illustrators or different kinds of stories uh, let's not be afraid to uh, talk about death or talk about you know death. that's what a lot of fairy tales are about is death just dealing with the fear fear of living yeah, yeah. things that you come up against exactly. illness yeah all those things that but i guess and this is something that i saw when i went to bologna the market, the children's book market, or the offer is very different in Europe. Uh, the illustrators or the art that they choose is, is something, things that we wouldn't show our kids here, you know. Like what? Well, let's say the maturity of the visual art itself. Here we tend to be like very uh, cutie, very colorful. So the way they, they talk to kids in the books or the way that... The, the subjects that they're not afraid to uh, talk about, I, I just have death. We do this here, but it's just the way... They're more direct, is that it? Yeah, maybe they're... It's, that might be it. They're not... They don't use euphemisms or they don't yeah. put little soft edges to... Yeah, I, I feel like they're not afraid to say things as they are. And they're not afraid to show monsters or naked characters. Maybe the level of maturity. I just bought the rights for a book right now and uh, was working on it with my assistant. And I thought, okay, this book is for three years and older. And she saw it for um, uh, an older audience, like six maybe. Six, okay. But because she thought, well, the humor is something that little kids won't know. Like, they won't know that tears contain salt and things like that. And I thought, well, I think maybe it's because it's a European book, I think. Like, visually, I see it. Some books that I really like are super dark and super artsy. And I thought, and I think for our market, this is not a book for kids, you know. And who is your market again, primarily? Uh, well, children from the age of, I will say, zero. <laughs> One to perhaps 12 for the moment, because okay. I'm also doing like some graphic novels. My range will stretch over time, but right now this, this is what the focus is. Yeah. And is it primarily Quebec that your market has been? Yeah. And in French? Yeah. I'm not exporting to French Europe right now. Because uh, you need the government grant structure behind you to help you with that. Okay, what does that mean? Uh, well, it, it costs a lot of money to uh, sell directly into 
Europe, and right now I don't have any uh, grants or any help from the different organization that all the publishers have. So is it the province and the federal government that? Yeah. Uh, what so you would like to get that? I assume. Yes, uh, yes. I've been told that you cannot survive as a publisher without those. So. But you've been in business for well, six like, years. Yes, but I don't pay myself. <laughs> <laughs> but you do survive. You do because yeah. I see some food in that in the house here. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I used to work in advertising, so... Oh, you're living off your savings. Oh, you work like I work. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, and it's funny because I was talking with other publishers about poetry, and even if they have a lot of history behind them, they still have to work someplace else to get yes. their salaries. Yes. So... So I guess in a way I'm lucky to be able because doing uh, illustrated literature is quite expensive, and so in a way I am able to just carry on doing that, and um, yeah, and I think it's it's going well. <laughs> well, you won this big award, so yes. uh, so how did you do that? How do you what, what did the judges say? Like why did, oh why God. do they like your stuff so much? Well, the thing is. You don't meet them. And it, the way it works is other publishers or other people from the publishing industry, they uh, submit your... Can this, what's the word? Um, portfolio or your candidacy. Yeah, your candidacy. It was a surprise for me. When I received the email from somebody I was talking to... Uh, okay, but I don't I don't know what's wrong with the. So, uh, he, he knows, she or he or she knows that there's a microphone on. That's what's the, that, that's the story. So I received like, oh, congratulations! You're on the 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 finalist for uh, the Bob, and I was like, what? You must have made a mistake. I didn't understand. <laughs> right. I had to check. I checked on the website. I was like, really? I can. There's a microphone, Benjamin. Arrête. Okay, give me a minute. I'll try that. Sure. I don't know what's wrong with it. Qu'est-ce que tu veux? Qu'est-ce qu'il y a? Qu'est-ce que tu veux? Hein? Tu peux t'arrêter si je te donne ça? What's that? Just fish oil. Oh, fish oil. It makes it tastier. I don't know. He's addicted to it now. Oh, okay. I gave it to him for his uh, coat. To make it shinier? Yeah. Okay. But now he's like really annoying, so... Mm. Uh, what was I saying? Um, yeah, the bop. So it was a surprise. Yes, yes. And so... And the way it works is uh, your the, your peers work, uh, vote for you. So all the publishers, all the agents that go to the book fair... They, there's a display and they get to see your stuff and they vote on that? They, I don't know how they do it, actually, because I sent, I think, two books, two or three books for the display. Maybe they go have a look at the website and what we produce, or maybe it's... Uh, I've always been told is uh, people have to know you. So, you know, I've been networking since the beginning, trying to sell rights. 
Yes. And I have an agent, so maybe... And, and also my agent. Once we got the news, my agent started sending newsletters to everybody she knew and stuff like that with our work, a catalog and everything. Mm-hmm. So, so I never really met anybody. I never spoke to... I don't know who gave Monsieur Ed's name to the... The committee? The yeah, committee's good. Committee. So, um, w- why did you win? Uh, well, I don't know specifically, but it's an award that celebrates the quality of the work in terms of literally and graphically. And I think that if you look at the past winners, and from what I heard when I was over there, they tend to favor like smaller, edgier publishers with gutsier. Because I was against, I was like, oh my God, am I really going to win? Because there were bigger publishers uh, from North America with me in the in the category. Yeah. How many people work with you? Oh, it's me. It's just you? It's me. And then I have an assistant, like a, she does 25 hours a month. <laughs> okay. Okay. And you went up against some bit bigger ones. Yes, and, okay. and um, yeah, and when they called out <laughs> Monsieur Ed's name and it appeared on the big yes, screen, yes, I it took me a minute. Like I was like, oh well, I have to go up and get my little thing. I didn't expect to get it this early in Monsieur Ed's life. How many books have you published in total so far? Um, I think we have twenty. Yeah, at the end of the fall, we're gonna have we're gonna be at twenty. I keep saying 24, but I counted yesterday, and I think it's going to be 23. So Because I think one got pushed, so 23. Yeah, so I didn't think that No, not. I would get it. Plus, I've never physically taken a, a booth at the fair, but I'm going to do this starting now. It would be there. So I was really surprised, but um, yeah, so a couple of people... <laughs> Yeah, we might want to close. Can we close the door on him, or that's gonna freak? That's gonna freak. Oh, he's gonna. Benjamin. So. Yeah. Usually he's quiet and he sleeps. It's time to go to sleep. Well, maybe we should feed him. Like, do you have any sleeping pills? You could break <laughs> up into that. Into that food is. <laughs> Yesterday it was so quiet because I gave him a big bone and he ate it all. Uh, okay, maybe he was all flaked out yesterday. Now he's all wired up. Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. he wants to, he wants to go outside, so he's all oh, excited okay. and he's like. Super. How long do you want to go outside for? Oh, I don't know. Depends. Oh, would so you want to take him out? No, well, unless it's really annoying for you. No, no, it's not annoying. It's just I'm just a bit concerned about the listeners being annoyed. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, listeners. This is my dog, Benjamin. There we are. (laughs) Little Chihuahua. Does Benjamin get into any of the uh, any of the books? No, but I have a story based on uh, him that I want to do one day about him because I live right in near the river and. Uh, where they do the the um, fireworks. Oh, yes, okay. Uh, and it gets so loud because there's a big building at the back and it resonates and the building sometimes uh, trembles. Yes. And so it's, you know, and dogs are afraid of fireworks, so it, it, it inspired a story. 
So, but I have a long list of projects that I want to do myself, but it's just, you know, I need time to get there because I work on other people's projects mainly. So, because I work doing the books for everybody else I publish, you know, I do the editorial work. So I work with the authors and on the text, make it better, make the structure work. Like Monsieur yeah. Ed is the publisher and then I have different people. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we still haven't gotten to, yeah. why do you think, why do you think you, like, what did you, do you think they saw in what you're doing that is so uh, good? Well, I think the quality of the work which is something that is very important for me. The, the physical book, the choice of material, the care that I take doing the type inside the book, or the, even the credit page, you know, our credit page is not like this straight boring credit page. It's, I write a text to incorporate all the people who worked on the book, but it's kind of a little story, so it has a little flair, all the little details. Well, I think it's just the overall editorial vision, you know, the choices of the books themselves, the stories, uh, the themes, the, you know, the choices of illustrators. Like I try to go and find people that are a bit different to bring a bit of diversity on the Quebec market. What's a good example of that? One book that... It's not a bestseller. It's hard for this market. It's called Ice Cream Melts Faster in Hell. And it's a book that I wrote. And it's a funny book about fears, you know. And the illustrator, his style um, is something that we had never seen before on our market. Just, it was like more cartoonish or... Do you have a copy of it here? Yeah. Let's have a look at it. There's... And if there's, a, if there's another one you're particularly proud of or that you think is, is the cat's ass, let's look at that. Oh, goodness. <laughs> That's great. So I think maybe they saw a willingness to to transgress something. Yes, yes. Transgress is good. Yeah. Um, boundaries? Yeah. I, you know, I'm not saying that I'm... Oh, no. I can't play with that. That's really loud. Maybe no. Excuse-moi, not edgy, it's a daring. You were interested in how the European books addressed things like death and illness 
very directly, but you think that, that you do that as well? Uh, yeah, I tend towards it because I don't want to... Okay, so before we started, Mr. Ed, I think the market was... Um, what was very um, popular were really soft illustrations, cute pastel colors. Tame. Yeah, things that I liked also. Yes. Um, I'm not saying that we only, Monsieur Ed, changed the market. No, there, no. There are other publishers in the last few years. There there have been a couple of uh, in the really good independent uh, children's publisher popping up in Quebec. So uh, all of these people have uh, contributed to diversifying the offer that we have here. But when we started and when our first book was, well, actually I don't have the first one, but I have the second Uh, of the series okay it's about a dirty villain that smokes and who has really stinky breath and it's like an illustrated novel and so that was like oh wow okay uh who wrote this this is written by Marthe Pelletier and illustrated by Richard Ecrapou And uh, he has this very specific style. He's also an um, adult uh, comic book artist. Yes, yes, it looks yeah. quite grown so up. Things like uh, smoking a cigar in a children's book, it was like, oh, you can't do that. But it's actually, it gives him super bad breath, which becomes kind of a, when people talk to him, he smells so bad that people faint. So it's kind of, <laughs> so everything is absurd and funny. And then we came out. What, and what age was that directed at? Uh, that's six and up. Don't, there's nothing that a five-year-old couldn't read. But yeah. there's a lot of text. So it's for, you know, like first readers. And it's, it's super popular. This is our a very popular series. The first um, book of this series I've reprinted twice already. What's it called? Méchant uh, Far West. That's the that's the first one, and the second one is just Méchant Far West too. Yes. Yes. I so see. there, there's a subtitle too, like it's Méchant Far West. Like I tra translated it like Mischief in the Wild West, the villain yes. who wanted to be a supervillain. So that's the first book. It's it's about a villain who's stuck in a a storybook about villains. Yeah. And he wants to win at the end because he's tired of that. It's always the good guy that wins at the end. It's kind of meta. Yeah. It's exactly. making fun of the genre. Yes, yes. Isn't that interesting? Yes, and he will change the course of his story by changing something that he usually does on page 39, let's say. Okay. And he will be able to change the ending, but maybe not win because there's a... Uh, number two and a number three and yeah so that was kind of different what did you want to get at with the reader like what did you want that six-year-old to, to you obviously you got into his or her head but like what was your thinking when you saw it and you thought yes this is this is good yeah why did you think it was so good I just love the, the humor in it. It's very fun and I love the different levels. I love the story within the story. Also this one, we had uh, uh, we have a peculiar no, yeah, it's a story with it because we actually started this book when we worked at the other publishing house before it went bankrupt. 
Okay. So we had done the whole layout and everything. Me and the the person I started this year with. And you figured you want you don't want this to go down with the bankruptcy. Yeah. Yeah, and the author uh, recuperated her rights, and, oh, uh, and we, yeah, yes. we thought it was fun, we thought it was different, we thought, you know, the illustrator also, uh, we had never seen this kind of visual uh, for kids, and um, I don't know, I just, we felt that it represented well where we wanted to bring our catalog, you know. Something different, something edgy, and all the type is handwritten. Yes, and you know, it's funny. I just interviewed, her name is Nora Krug, and she illustrated a really uh, important book called On Tyranny. And her book is all sort of lowercase printing, the whole thing. Okay, no... Uh, well, no, there's lots of images and illustrations, but she got a she got a font done for Front. that because she didn't want to have to write everything out, right? And they had four different versions of the font, and they, you know, each one was rotated so that it looked like it was real. The S wasn't all the same. But anyway, so that's what this reminds me yeah. of. But this looks a bit like Mad Magazine. It's your most successful, is it? Uh, one of, and uh, well, actually, just a little side note, all our books, well, I, I'm going back to the things that we do differently and the yes, details. Yes, 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 why you're so so good, <laughs> why you won. All our books, all the books are handwritten. The text is always handwritten, so it's uh, most, not all of them, but some of them are different you know for this one because it's a western we wanted it to be dirty and crooked and you know like yes have this this vibe to it another one which i didn't bring down because it's not an original book it's a book that we uh we bought the right but all the letters are different size some some are inverted and things like that because i approached the text as being part of the image so it needs its own personality it yes. needs to fit the the tone. Yeah. yeah, and so that's why that's one of the little things that we do uh, differently. So, you know, I think if you if you look at everything that we've published, I think that you can see. I don't like to say edgy. This is what I want to get at, though. This is why I wanted to interview you. Yeah, is I I'd like to understand why you're so good at what you do. So I I need to know your thinking process and your, I don't have one that's a thing. So, so it's very hard for me to explain. Yes. Because everything comes from inside. I just no, know, but you know what I have you know, to do. Like I mean, it's I know it's instinct, but it's subconsciously you've you've got lots of things in your brain to call upon, and they must have gotten there somehow. There's a lot of things that I I do everything right. So from getting a manuscript to yes. making it look like this, <laughs> um, what you're describing is something that I feel when I work on a text. Right. When I receive a manuscript, I read it, and somehow I know where there's something missing in the plot, where we need more action, when we need more of this, when you know, yeah. we need to slow down. And when I work on a manuscript, what I do 
is I see it in my head and I often will describe the uh, image that can go with the text to help the author rewrite. Or oh, that's interesting. So you'll read it and yeah. then you'll visualize how it might be illustrated yeah. and then you'll tell the author, um, I'm yeah. thinking of putting a cactus in here. Well, <laughs> or whatever it might be. Yeah, well, I'm saying, okay, here we're going to see uh, what could happen is this. The character goes to blah, blah, blah. And then, so it helps them visualize also what will be, what could be on the page. And then work their text accordingly so there are no uh, doubling of the text and the image. I see. So it's uh, you don't want the you don't want the text to say something, and and you just literally illustrate what yeah, the text no. is saying. We no. need this complementary so this dialogue between the image and the text. So when I work on a text like this, I feel like like it's almost natural or intuitive. But I know that I have a bunch of things that I've done in my life from reading from I watched a lot of TV and a lot of movie and the structure of uh, a 30-minute TV show, the way it's done, the jokes, how to set up a punchline, how to set up like tension uh, to get to that point, you know, if you're in humor or, or if you're in a mystery, how to set those things up. I think unconsciously taking all that baggage from everything that I've read and yeah. seen and analyzed without my knowing. Yeah. So that part of the work, I feel that. And then the design part is different. It's more like I put something on the page and I feel good or not. And then I move it, I make it bigger and I feel good or not. You know, <laughs> right. it's kind of right. that I don't, well, I don't illustrate. Well, I did one book for me that I illustrated, but most of the time, then once I get, I'm done with the manuscript, of course, I've seen it in my head, like a movie for like six months. Yeah. Then I try to find an illustrator that I saw, <laughs> you know, in the style that I saw or the illustrator that will give the book its, not its, it's soul, but in a way, yes, because you can have a funny text, but have an illustrator that does something very, uh, not serious, but, you know. I know what you mean. The, the mood mean. can have... change depending on the, the, the visual style, it, it, you know. It so it's part of what you need to do then, you need to have a really good understanding of all the, the different illustrators that you can call upon. Yes. So how many are there that you that you know of about? Uh, not enough. I mean, <laughs> like how many? Um, well, I could maybe off the top of my head name not a lot, maybe 20, 25. That's still quite a few. Yeah, and but then I know visually a lot of other people that I can't remember their names and then I mean with the internet it's endless you know the portfolios the agents the like for the uh ice cream melts faster in hell yes i must have looked at i don't know like 500 Goodness. illustrators because i wanted someone who could go a bit like tim burton-esque so you go in a scary but still quirky and and funny because you, you don't want it to be too scary 
Yeah. So you, I needed that balance. Right. And some illustrators I found were way too scary, and others were too cutie, you know? So that's your, you would say that would be one of your top skills then, is to being able to match a, a manuscript with a range of different potential illustrators. Uh, I guess I always thought that all publishers or editors needed to be able to do that. But uh, it's particularly with children's books, it's crucial. Yes. Well, to me it is because it can really change you know, the tone of the book, what you're seeing, the direction in which you want to pull the book. Like, you have, if you have a, any text, you have a, a cute poetic text and you do it in something quirky like this, it becomes something else than if you do it with, you know, super... So, and, and it it's really about your editorial line, you know, what you want to say with your books and what your publishing house is about. So, and so what is your publishing house about? <laughs> That's the part that I have a hard time describing. Do you have like a mission that, you know, I want to I wanna make sure kids are become good citizens? Or, no, I you don't. Know, no, you want them, want to, them be to be challenging authority? Yes. Or you want, like, what, no. do, what do you want your kids to, <laughs> I want them to grow to, up into? I want them to... Yeah, to know themselves enough to be able to question things that uh, don't seem right to them or that people think that you should do, but that's not how you feel. So I want them to learn to uh, have a critical critical thinking. Also, it's really important for me to know who you are and to accept who you are. I don't think that's something that we... Anyway, my generation is, is not something... Um, that we were raised to believe in. You know, there were a lot of rules. I'm a bit of a rule breaker. But that's, it, it strikes me that this generation isn't quite like that. They're, well, this, not, not the one you're talking to, but now, obviously, racism is wrong and equality is important. Yeah. But also being able to speak directly about these topics is important too. Is do you touch on this at all? No, I don't want. No, it's not that I don't want to. I don't want it to make it the topic of a book. You know, I I make books to entertain, and so I won't make a book about racism. But I will make a book with people and show diversity of body, diversity of uh, color, or a book by. Uh, Aboriginal uh, authors or um, anybody who has a super uh, a project that I'm interested in, I, yeah. I really don't. I mean, I I, I don't. I, I'll publish. Yeah, anything what I that find you think is good. yeah. Yeah, some books like, for example, this one is about death. It's super cute and it's it's all symbolic. So there can be a book about you have to be nice to people who are different. But it's not going to be about it's, it's bad to be racist, you know. For me, books are there to open conversation. Because these books are mostly for kids who don't know how to read. So you're going to be reading with your child. And it's a, it's a good way to talk about things with them. And say, you know, like in the book, this happened. What do you think this means? And it's a reference point, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, it's fun. And I always make my book in a way that 
when I ask something from the illustrator, my thinking behind it is, if a kid doesn't know how to read, I want this person to be able to have fun just looking at the pictures and even maybe understand the story yeah. just looking at the pictures. So, yeah, I will, as I said, I because this is just not the kind of books that we do. Uh, I don't know how you say that in English, but there are uh, publishing houses that do uh, engagé, la littérature engagée. I don't know how to say that, which is more about books about the environment or uh, yes. genocides or uh, slavery or things like that. Yeah. What I want to do is just make it normal to have like a family with two uh, two mothers or yes. a family with... You don't even uh, want to really comment on it. You just want no, to it's there have it there. Because that's the way it is in life, you know. And I think it's a part of our job also to represent the reality of well most of the characters in the books are animals but when there are humans I think the reality that the kids live in and for me also it's important for it. <laughs> I find it very cute when uh, I it, it touches my heart when I see a little girl like of let's say Jamaican descent seeing herself in a book and say oh she looks like me Yeah. And that makes me realize how humans have this need to see themselves in things, which is something I probably never felt because I'm a white uh, woman and I've been represented in everything, <laughs> you yeah. know, all yeah. my life. Yeah. And so for me, this is, it's something that I want to do. Mm. And I just want it to be normal, you know, just to have, like as I said, represent diversity but I don't want it to be a book about who talks about it. But it, it can talk about it, but in a through a story. <laughs> you, I don't know if you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's sort of sort of a direct preaching kind of but are you trying to convey a lesson of any kind in these books or not? Um some of them no and in some yes. But it really has to be always subtle, you know, at the second level of reading. Mm -hmm. Like so, like as I said, this one is about a book about uh, the main character misses her pet bird who died. But we go through this adventure with them, and through the adventure, she f uh, figures out that her bird has moved somewhere else, where where he's really uh, well because. He has all the food that he likes. He has the friends and family. And there's a parallel between the living life and the this new place where he lives. And at the end, she understands that even if the her pet is not with her anymore, uh, she'll always have the memories they had together. You know, like if you read it just like that, it's just an adventure with two friends and one moved away. And But if you read it and you've gone through loss then you can understand that, oh, you know, it's true that when when my I had my dog, I loved taking my dog for walks, but now he's not there anymore, but I still had that memory of something nice that we had together. So, mm -hmm. it's but it never says that in the book. You have to feel it mm -hmm. and maybe talk about it and maybe... You well, know, you're leaving, leaving room for the adult, the parent 
to discuss something. This, as you said, it yeah. prompts a conversation. Yeah. And do you think that's why your your books have seen success, stimulating, interesting conversation? <laughs> yeah. Stimulating important conversation about topics that are worth talking about. Well, it's hard to reply to that because I don't. The feedback that I have mostly, as I said, is your books are beautiful. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> no, but uh, uh, some books. Yeah, I think the subjects and the way that we talk about them. Yes. Like for this one, for example, it's about transcending your fears before it's too late because if you don't do anything, you might end up dead and not having done anything in your life. So it's a weird way to go about it and it's also very humorous and the the main characters are two little ghosts and they're talking and they're saying, oh, when I was uh, alive, I was afraid of everything and then we see the fears that the this one had. It's and funny, it's, that one looks like Trump a little bit. I know, everybody says know, that. And that's this not is, the intention though, right? No, and this is the, the Korean guy. Yeah. So we see the fears. And so I think it's just the, a different approach for people who have a different aesthetic because that's also part of something that I want to do and I want to uh, introduce children to different world visions or different types of art. Also, because if you always see the same thing over and over again, you mm-hmm. don't sort mm-hmm. of expand your mind or your taste, visual taste buds, <laughs> you know? And even, like, I've worked with a lot of people from Montreal lately, Audrey Malo in particular. Mm-hmm. She's new, but she's uh, getting to be famous. Okay, yeah. um... Are you doing this without any government funding at all, or are you getting some? No government funding at all. Wow, that's that's unheard of in Canada. I know. I thought I was going to get it. The project won the last, well, they, they announced the, the founding results in September. I was like, hey, so I won the best publisher of the year. <laughs> right. But no, I guess... It didn't work. I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong or maybe I'm not literary enough. You you talk about the prizes that you've won. That's what authors start off with, typically, in their biographies. But uh, so you just have to every every year you make an application and just hope you get money from these different levels of government. Yeah, it? well, the Canadian Council for the Arts. Yes. They have two levels of uh, grants. Maybe you don't have enough books, though. Maybe because they, no, you, I, ha- I have you, enough. You have enough. Okay. It's just the probably the way that I word my uh, my submission because I get enough to pass, but then I don't have enough points to get some money. Oh dear! And what about Heritage Canada? There's another one, the book yeah. fund. Yeah, you apply for that, that I'm going to be uh, eligible at the end of the of fall. Because the other two, uh, which is the Heritage Canada and another one, which is in Quebec. Yes. I need a certain um, a number of books and a certain type of books, which I don't have at the moment. But I will, at the end, be eligible for both in okay. the fall. And then there's just the Canadian Council for the Arts, where I should 
be able to get some money, but I'm not getting any. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try again. I'm going to... Maybe there's something that I'm always doing or maybe I'm not... It's hard to understand these application forms and what yeah. they really want. Yeah. yeah. So. Just a, a quote about... This is from Namrata Tripathi, who's a children's book publisher with Random House. Yeah. She's one of the imprints with Random House. And she says that picture books are a child's first introduction to poetry, to art, to visual storytelling. They establish for kids how the world works and their place in it. They're a primer on how to be a human. you agree with that? Um, yes, for the most part, I would change the end and turn it towards, like I said previously, it allows them to know themselves and to understand themselves within the world, you know, rather than, yeah, rather than their place in it, which it, to me feels, again, like more like there's a little a rule and little squares and things to be done a certain way. But the beginning, yes. You like that? Yes. Okay. You know, when you have a bunch of books like that, you can say, hey, I love this kind of aesthetic. I don't like this cutie, softy one. I'm more like in the, like this. Yeah, you're almost developing a taste, aren't you? Exactly. And that's part of having access to art, you know. That's how you, you know what you like, the colors you like, the kind of stories that you like. And, and why is it important to know that? I grew up surrounded by art my mom is a painter and i painted and i don't know like my world is mostly made of art and beauty i feel that it's everywhere even in the places that we don't know mm -hmm. that we don't realize someone thought of doing something to make it balanced to make it work to make it efficient to make it beautiful even nature is it's a presentation of it, it's maybe the first form of art you know when you look in a flower some flowers are amazing or insects or the different colors and the shapes and taste. maybe it's not the taste is maybe it's just Philip when you look at art it's a moment where you can disconnect you can just receive something and feel it and through what you feel then you can know who you are, what you understand about that particular piece, but that piece in the world and the world. Probably that's what I mean when I say taste. It's not like well, taste. you know what you, you know what you like and what you don't like, and that's pretty important in your life. When you communicate silently <laughs> with the, the what you like and what you find beautiful what brings yeah. you joy mm, yeah and 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 peace and love you know because mm -hmm. that's what art does i think when or harmony that's what it does you don't know it but you feel well when you enter a room where everything is balanced and you resonate with it so i guess that's what i want the kids to discover through deciding if they prefer this or this or green or blue or whatever because that's what you're going to build your world with 
eventually, you know, even in, in the choice of a t-shirt <laughs> or fabrics or and knowing what gives you pleasure. Yeah, and what brings you joy and what what just flows through you rather than goes like, Ugh, you know, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. like that color yeah. or I don't like that. It it doesn't resonate with me like one of my best friends, she loves like triangles and I'm like too sharp. So it's just in knowing how you react to the world because oftentimes we're so disconnected, we're so occupied that we forget to, and then we start feeling bad. We, we don't know where it comes from. Mm-hmm. We forget to listen to how we react or how we resonate with what's around us. And I think reading or looking at something is just like a personal moment in a little bubble where you can take your time to feel that in a way and that and as I said that will translate into what you like of course that's probably gonna change as you grow older but it's a start you know (laughs) and and to be able to say I like this or I don't like this and I want this I don't want this or I you know and well, lots of people in adulthood, they talk about the most important books that they've read, and they often will yeah. go back to stuff they've read. Yeah. yeah. Just a couple more things here, then. One is the kids from 8 to 12, these books get them when they're developing their sense of justice. So 10-year-olds care a lot about what's fair and what's right. Wow, yeah. Does that work for you? I never thought about that. <laughs> Just in terms of their development, I guess that's when they... Uh, but it's interesting to know. I don't know what to say because it's like new information. Okay. <laughs> but I'm just trying to think because right now I'm working on a book which is for that age range. Maybe that's why, you know, the book I showed you, The Mischief in the Far West, mm-hmm. works well with them because there's a... There's good and there's bad. The bad is not really bad, but you there's a nuance also. You see that the villain is not so is not so, so bad. So bad after all. Yeah. He just wants to win. He wants to find love. Yeah, he's just he's just tired of losing and he wants his own you know little joy also. So <laughs> he's human. So give him a break. <laughs> So maybe that's why, you know. It's justice to let him win win, every now and again. Yeah. And in the second uh, volume, you know, he has this, uh, the the classic angel and devil thing because he still wants to win at the end of his story and he meets his nemesis. But there's this beautiful girl who he fell in love with and he doesn't know, like, ah, which goal to pursue, you know. And, uh, yeah. So maybe that that's why it's uh, such a success because it really taps into those what's good, what's bad, or just yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I don't know. It's something to think about, actually. <laughs> okay, so your wish is just to continue doing what you've been doing for the last six years, seven years. Yeah. Yes and no. I I wanna grow a little bit I'd like to now I'm doing six books per year I'd like to be able to do a bit more maybe eight or up to 12 Um, and I would like to 
as I said, I'm working on graphic novels, so I'm I'm targeting. I don't like these words, but yeah, marketing words. Yeah, yeah it's for a, an older audience, and I I would like also to do novels, so like mystery novels. I love those. Mm-hmm. So you'd like to spread away out yeah. from children's to include well, young adults, and maybe not just illustrated books, just also novels because just captivating to dive into a story and I remember reading when I was a kid that wasn't that much available so I read Agatha Christie or Nancy Drew Mm -hmm. you know so that's one thing and I eventually probably like right now we're doing a foreign rights sale with my agent but I probably would want to expand to another market the obvious one is the European French market, but when we started the company, I really wanted it to be a bilingual publishing house, but it's difficult because it's not the same uh, structure, distributors, and so it was almost like having two companies working at two different speeds, so I thought, let's do the French one well first, and then we'll see, so I don't know yet about that. I don't know if the kind of books that I do would do well on that market. Uh, I think the softer ones, like this, or this is one of my bestsellers. I've, I've sold it to a Canadian, uh, English Canadian publisher. Which one? Uh, the Invisible Guard. Uh, the, the publisher? Yeah. Orca. Oh, Orca. Okay. Yeah. They, okay. And another one from this uh, same author, illustrator also, which I didn't bring down, but they tend to not go for books like uh, this or that you know so what you mean by this or that the ones that are quote edgier well or? i think maybe it's just graphically visually maybe it's, it doesn't work for yeah, they tend to go for softer maybe it's just their publishing uh, line i don't know how to say that yes so uh, they go for you know softer visuals Softer stories, cuter stories. Oh come on! The no, I think the English the English kids are, can handle handle it just as well as yeah. You don't you think? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. But the, this is just the the publishing house that you're dealing with. You're saying? Uh, well, that's what I noticed from them. They're more interested in like I know that I will present her this book. I will still present to her these books in the hopes that, yes. <laughs> that she will say the, yes this is orca <laughs> yeah 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 um what about the states have you tried the states at all i haven't had any uh, maybe my agent but um no mostly france this one we sold it to uh, france and i think they just took it as is and maybe there sometimes i buy rights from uh, French uh, publishers or Belgian publishers and I change some words because they I use a lot of English words <laughs> here uh, over there yeah so they are just different words than what we're used to so we have to adapt it a little bit well I do it not everybody does it but it's a choice mm-hmm. that's yeah expand expand okay expand and ex- expand my offer and uh, the age of the reader. I don't want to spend 
You yes, know. I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, just to get the mar the market, the the rate. Yeah, trying to say it without saying the yeah the rate. <laughs> yes, yes. You want to produce, publish some books for more young adults yeah. uh, than you have in the past. Yeah. 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 I'm still trying to reply to your first question. So, why did I win the? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. But I, I think the simplest answer is because of the way I do what we do. <laughs> you know, I think it's just, yeah, as I said, the choice of stories and the choice of visual and the the little details that make it like a more of a... I should ask, you know, next year I'll try to find somebody who voted for me. Yes, but yes. For me, it's difficult to have this distance between me and what I do and to talk about it and say oh this is great because because uh, I feel like they, the books talk for themselves you know they're great stories they're talented people that put everything that they have in in the books and you know I aim to make the the best the best looking book for them so they're happy and that the book has a life and that they can reach re yeah, young readers and they can have enjoy it also. So no, it's matchmaking too, isn't it? It's you, you're yeah. a very good matchmaker. Yes. With the help of all the booksellers out there. But matching between the you know, the writer yeah. and the Yeah. Okay. I think that maybe that is what sets us apart. Yeah, as I said, I think the way that we we work the text, the angle we take with the subject, and then the match that we make with the illustrator then creates this final book, which is, I don't want to say different, as I said, I don't want to say edgy, I don't want to say quirky, because for me, they're pretty, yes. they are what they are, but... Um, well, it's kind of a magic. I mean, it's magic what happens in publishing, right? It's like you're putting these people, and also the relationship they have together, too. Yeah. You have to make sure that the illustrator gets along with the person that wrote the text. That's another thing, right? That they understand or they bring something also to the text. That's what yeah. there are uh, fall books like this book. I had so much fun working on The Incredible Story of Number Three. Had a lot of fun working with the author, and then when the illustrator, the author is Danielle Chaperon, mm -hmm. and the illustrator is Agathe Fribourget, and I went to her because I knew that she had a sense of humor from her Facebook post, <laughs> okay. and I thought you'd be perfect for this. And she brought the book to another level. The choices she made, the things she chose to illustrate, the um, expressions of the characters. It's it's wonderful, eh? Funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's super fun. It, that's a super fun book. And it was just, uh, every time I received some of her work, I was just like, ah, it's amazing. And I, had, <laughs> I didn't know what to say because it was just perfect, you know? Yeah, yeah. And again, it's because you made the right choice. Yeah, I was very happy about that. So the name of the company, is, the, the publishing house, is... Monsieur Ed. Monsieur Ed. Does that mean anything? Is it... Um, that's... Is, it's... it's uh, no. 
for me, it was just like a fun name and also the fact that we're, we were in the beginning all women and I mostly work with women. I think it's fun. It's funny that we have the name of a, well, not the name of a man, but we're called like yes. Mr. Ed. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of like that gender bender thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, some people, like for my past partner in the company, yes. uh, it, for her it meant like Mr. Editor. But at the same time, it was like, you know, in, incarnating this very unaccessible uh, image of the uh, European old school male editor but being this very neighborly accessible uh, character okay. um, and graphically also coming from a design background and branding background it was fun for me to have like a character with which I can talk and communicate and I always have like in the books there's always a little quote like the credits like as I said are always a bit funky they're always a bit because it's a boring page to read. So I tried to make a, a little story. Yeah, yeah, this one is particular because it's illustrated. They're not all like that. But this one, I felt that it, it went with the, the spirit of the book. And there's always a quote like uh, Monsieur Ed. Uh, let's say this is a book about the number three. Monsieur Ed can count to a thousand. Uh, yes. yeah, there's always a or Monsieur this fearless or there's always a... There's a personality, there's a little, yeah. it's a person. So yeah. for me, this was, when, when we started, I thought, okay, this gives me possibilities to play with this character. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's, that's, it's a boring answer, but nice. it's hard to agree on a name when you start a business, you know, when you're not alone. And so I don't hate it. I wanted it to be, it was either that for me, it was either that or ultra normal. Like, <laughs> because we also wanted a name that could work in the beginning also we had a lot of uh, ambition <laughs> we wanted it to be bilingual and don't you still have a lot of ambition yes sounds but like you do step by step yes so bilingual and we also wanted to do uh, a literature for adults so the name needed to to work for all ages but now it's hard to get the manuscript uh, for uh, for adult literature because I'm so branded kids lit so. Are you on, you're on your own now or do you have a partner? No, I'm on my own. So why don't you just change it to your name? No, because I don't I don't no. I have I'm also an author like this one I did the the story and the illustration so it'd be weird it'd be like valerie picard by valerie picard <laughs> okay well congratulations thank you thank you i still feel like i haven't like gotten to the thing that you wanted me to say it's annoying well why don't we sit on it a bit i'll say valerie picard is the Founder and publisher at Monsieur Ed, mm -hmm. uh, publishing house based in Montreal. And what's the email or the uh, the website? The website is www.monsieured.com. And on there, you will see our catalog. There's a newsletter. 
there's an email to reach us. You can reach me, you can reach my assistant, and there's an email if you want to send your manuscript. And we also accept manuscripts in English because we can translate them. <laughs> Very good. Thanks again. Thank you.